Good morning and welcome to this special one-off show to mark mental health awareness week. I'm your host Mark Anthony and as I'm sure you're aware uh, we do have a very special guest joining us today and I can see him lurking in our green room and he's chomping at the bit to uh, to be part of the discussion. Before I press the button uh, to bring him on I wanted to give you a bit of context. If you were here earlier in the week or if you've been reading demolitionnews.com you will know that there is currently a display of 454 hard hats littering the floor of the Leeds College of Building. Those hard hats haven't been left behind by lazy students. They are there to represent the number of construction and demolition workers that take their own lives in a typical year. Construction and demolition workers are committing suicide at a rate of around nine per week. That's three times the national average. Here to discuss this is award-winning builder and broadcaster Andy Stevens. Uh, Andy runs his own uh, building company, Eclipse Property Solutions, uh, which has won several awards for outstanding craftsmanship. Um, and he was also the Vice President of the London Region of the Federation of Master Builders, where he was on the board for nearly a decade. Uh, he's produced and presented his own radio show, uh, which means he's probably better at this sort of thing than I am. Uh, and he's also just pr finished presenting a weekly live show for On The Tools, which has uh, over four million viewers. Four million viewers, if only. Uh, he also hosts his own weekly uh, podcast called Build It, which covers everything in the construction industry in his own inimitable style. But none of that is really why he's here. Uh, the main reason for Andy joining us is that he's working as an ambassador for both the Construction Industry Training Board and the Lighthouse Club Construction Charity, looking specifically at the subject of mental health awareness. Let's get him on the show. Good morning, Andy. Morning, morning. How are you? I'm very well. I, I do appreciate you joining us today. Um, I, I wish it was to, to discuss something a little more cheerful. Um, but before we get to the serious stuff, how does a hands-on builder wind up with his own radio show and podcast? Well, it was probably about five, six years ago. I was um, I was asked to go and do a casting for a TV ad um, and to do with construction. So I went along, um, got it, and then it sort of spiraled from there being quite open honest outward spoken um and obviously been in the industry quite a few years um it's led to all sorts of media work so i filmed for a lot of the companies i had a day yesterday with home building renovating magazine doing a new series on tool advice for self-builders uh worked with leyland paints last week tool station um and it's not just all about that and the exhibitions and the magazines and everything i work for it's also about raising awareness of mental health my two big things in construction and mental health and apprenticeships both of which are nowhere near where they need to be and the reason i'm doing a lot on mental health is because i went through a horrendous journey um and pretty much came to the end of everything and um as alan partridge said bounce back and seeing uh, unfortunately your figures are uh, more positive than they should be it's it's over two people a day in construction and demolition that take their own life more so than any other industry in the UK and those figures were pre-COVID so we're waiting for ONS to come out uh, they're going to be even worse so very sadly as we were just saying off air we're only talking about this because someone's labeled this mental health awareness week uh, we should be talking about this a lot more often but you know it starts us somewhere you have been very open about your own uh, mental health issues. Uh, for those that don't know, take me back to, to what those issues were and, and really how they manifested themselves. Yeah, it's so I'm 45 years old. And um, obviously, when you're growing up in the 70s and 80s, things were different. They are now. And I fully respect that. But um, I knew things weren't right 
relationships were failing. I was struggling with the business um, and things, th there's something up. So a friend of mine sort of had been through a similar thing. Um, and I went and spoke to a private um, specialist in central London, a trauma centre, um, and got diagnosed with complex PTSD, anxiety and depression. That stemmed from um, child abuse. And I will emphasise it was only physical. Um, and at the time, you don't think anything of it. Um, but, you know, the punches and the hits and the blood and knives and forks being stuck in the back of your hand because you couldn't hold your cutlery properly. All these things kind of stick in your mind. And listen, I'm not going to lie, they affect you big time. Um, when I got that diagnosis, you then think, well, you either float along moaning, um, not getting anywhere, um, blaming others or do something about it. And then as I started courses um my marriage fell apart and uh, so this was about four years ago now and got pushed to the limit through a very um very nasty ex-partner um which can't say too much on um because it's still in legal hands but um i was pushed to the edge uh and again in a sense i'm not proud to say this but i want to say talk about it because i want people to listen and go do you know what if he can talk about it and I can you know I'm a six foot three ex rugby player physically not a problem with anything mentally it's been torture and then when you wake up in um hospital with a mental health team around you not knowing how you got there um the ambulance got to me just in time right it's it's sink or swim so I mean you you said that, that your issues pushed you to the edge they pushed you literally tipped you over the edge by the sound of things yeah I uh, I didn't drink. Um, I don't do drugs. Um, I was sitting in a a house where I was sort of living because I was made unlawfully made homeless from the family home. Um, don't remember what happened. Obviously, I went into some sort of haze. I was suffering badly. Um, and the ambulance people say they got there. Uh, I must have called a number. I don't know who it was, if it was a mental health charity or Samaritans. I, I don't know. Um, but the ambulance said that you were sitting there with a kitchen knife. That's, I don't remember that. Wow. Now, I mean, obviously you've mentioned the fact, you know, of, of your abuse as a child and, and, you know, problems with, with marriage and that kind of thing. But I mean, one of the reasons that, that I wanted to speak to you, obviously you, you, you work very, very closely, you're very hands-on within the construction industry and, and the construction industry always strikes me as a, a bit of a perfect storm in terms of, of mental health issues. You know, we're, we're, a lot of people are forced to work away from home for a long, long period of time. You know, they're, they're separated from family and friends and their support network. They don't get to see their GP as often as they are. Some of them turn to, to drink and, as you mentioned, uh, drugs to sort of get them through the, the, the rigors of the day. We, we keep addressing this issue of mental health awareness, but that's not actually addressing a lot of the causes of those mental health problems, is it? No, construction often, a lot of people say, why is construction so bad with these figures? And well, there's a few reasons. You, you touched on one. Uh, a lot of workers can be away from the families for a long time, which is, is not good uh, mentally whatsoever. Another thing is um, when you're self-employed, so I've got a small building firm, um, it's very hard um, when you get knocked. Um, I've been knocked far too much over the years. Probably some of it's down to me because I'm not great with paperwork and I'm, I'm learning through that. Um, but the other stresses are, you know, you get your van nicked or your tools nicked, which has now just gone out of control the last few years. Um, I've heard from some powers that be that it's an organised national crime gang. You know, I would 
have my tools nicked here. Uh, and then two two weeks later, they're on a, a tarp out the back of a hire van, a car boot in Devon, um, or they're shipped to Ireland or Eastern Europe. That's a big problem. Um, the other thing which I always I smile about because 92% of us trades will be self-employed at some stage of their career. Now, not all of us stay in that type of employment, but we're not given any help on how to run a business, set up a business, payment schedules, contracts, how to price a job. Um, I mean, I'm still learning. I'm 45. And, you know, th these are the things that you've got to suck it and see. Construction, seven and a half percent of GDP. We're a bloody big industry. We're the only industry that kept going through COVID. Um, and we need a bit more help. I think it's as simple as that. Blokes are shit at talking. Women are brilliant, over brilliant, but us men aren't good. And I always say, are you going to get a six foot five scaffolder covered in tats and a skinhead that loves to tear up in the pub on a Friday night, coming to work on Monday and go, lads, I'm struggling mentally? No, you're more than likely finding him swinging from the rafters. And it's, it's something that's got to be done. So there you are. You, you, I mean, you, you've been very close to that. You've seen it up close and personal. What do we do? Is is awareness enough? Is is talking about uh, one of my concerns with this is the fact that the conversation seems to be taking place at a top level. You know, you've got directors, which we will come on to, but you've got directors of major companies that are talking about this and doing some very good work. I have to say, hats off to them; they're doing some very good work. But is that filtering down? Are are the lads on site now starting to talk about this, or have we still got a long way to go? Uh, it's, a, it's a really good question. There isn't, sadly, a yes or no answer. Um, my concern is your big companies, and I had a friend um, that worked for the Keir Group a few years ago that went through an awful journey uh, mentally, and he got the best support for him and his family, and I, I was overjoyed to hear it. What do we do as micro and small business owners with you know, five, 12 staff? Because we don't have the time, money, or resource to, to deal with one of the team um, that could be struggling. And I think what needs to be done is, you know, I, I want to look at government. Um, it's all very well and good talking about this, but what are you doing? You know, big media owners are jumping on with a logo, Mental Health Awareness Week. Um, there's, you know, these federations and, and, and trade bodies jumping on it. It's great talking about it, um, but also let's get something done. And when the CITB called me for an interview last week and sort of said, oh, we're seeing great progress. And I said, it's bollocks. How can two people a day taking their own life in construction be a success? Someone's lost a dad, a son, a brother, a neighbor. And we've got to look at the smaller and micro businesses, one man bands um, that need the help because the ones that are on the tools, in my opinion, if you're if you're on a site, a residential build, converting an office on the railways, that's the backbone of construction. They're the ones that need help. You, the fact that you just mentioned one man bands um, really does chime with me. I, I mean, I, I've, I've spoken about this before. I've, I've had two sessions on um, what I refer to as happy pills. I've had a couple of wobbles uh, over over the years, and a lot of mine stemmed. I guess from a feeling of loneliness. Um, I'm I'm happily married, got four children, three of which still live at home. You know, surrounded by family, but both parents still alive. And yet, I got myself into a situation where I I didn't think I could talk to anyone. And, and you know, I, I'm not going to dwell on it too much. But you know, this idea of perhaps being a burden on my family. So 
the last thing you want to do is to burden that family with with those problems. Mm. That's even worse, I think, if you are, like you say, you know, a, a, an SME or even worse still, a one-man band working alone. You've literally got nobody to, to turn to, have you? You haven't. And what you do do, or a lot of people do, men and women, you go to work and escape. And when you've not been able to go to work because of COVID or lockdown or, or redundancies or furlough, you're stuck in an environment that is tough. And a lot of us go to work for a crack with your mates. And I always say that, you know, most jobs I've been on, we have a really good laugh. Don't get me wrong, we graft hard, but you do have a good laugh. Um, and not having that and suddenly being stuck indoors in four walls in an environment which can test you mentally or be difficult, um, it's not been good. And, um, you know, what you said earlier, um, I think it is good that we've got a lot of people speaking out, but Mental Health Awareness Week, it's a bit of a, it's a bit wrong. We need to be talking about this more than just a week. The crazy thing is, and, and, and we have got, We've got a track record here. Um, I, I publish annually, much as the health and safety executive does, much as a lot of the wider media does. The health and safety executive publish their um, accident report once a year. And we all get awfully excited and animated about the fact that somewhere between 35 and 45 people have died in construction and demolition over a particular year. We only speak about it once a year, and we get awfully excited about 35 to 45. And that, yeah, as you've just said, we're talking about close on 500, if not more, dying at their own hands. And yet we've we devoted a week to it and then we will go back to our, our day jobs and, and not talking about talk about it again until May next year. The maths just doesn't stack up, does it? It doesn't stack up. And this is, you know, I've uh, if you walked into work tomorrow with a plaster cast on your leg on crutches, You'd have people bending over backwards for you. If you walked into a supermarket or a shopping centre with a cast and people would be opening doors asking how you are helping you. Problem with mental health, you can't see it. That's a big issue. And, you know, as we sort of touched upon earlier, us men are pretty crap at opening up and talking. Um, and that's that's one of the big hurdles we've got is men mainly feeling it, I suppose the word normal, to better open up on a big site, on a residential build, um, working on the roads, whatever they're doing, uh, and actually not be feared of a being looked at in a bad way that they could be told to bugger off or get someone else on the job to be seen as weak, uh, and also to not have work colleagues, you know, take the piss out of you. Because I know there's been a lot of uh, I hate the word celebrities, but well-known people coming out and talking about their struggles, which has helped drop the stigma. But we're still a long way off from it being perceived as normal. And if you break your leg perfectly normal um if you get diagnosed with depression and anxiety people call you mental um i still think there's a long way to go to getting perception changed that weakness that you just mentioned i think is a, is a real key driver here because we are in an industry um i think we're all enjoying a bit of a boom at the moment and long mm. may it continue but there is always that threat of job security and the fact that you know you might not have a job next week and i think if you're showing any signs of, of weakness physical or more specifically mental there is a possibility that you you know you could be very very easily replaced that's one of the key bits that we need to address isn't it it is um my question and i always like to sort of put this back to people that i talk with is is where do we start with this issue um 
we we briefly mentioned off air that uh, you know it does wind me up a bit that media owners and federations jump on the bandwagon, and then come Monday next week when it's another awareness week, they're gone. They're, they're not talking about it. Um, we need to talk about this more often. But I'd, would you agree that this needs to start as high up as government because federations are doing bugger all, aren't they? I, I totally agree. And, and in absolute truth, when you look at everything that, that happens within construction, unless somebody legislates, we we don't do things. We don't we don't innovate to that degree. I think we innovate in terms of methodologies and in terms of the equipment that we use and that kind of thing. But when it comes to things like, as, as a, a random example, environment, you know, we, we will not address the issue of emissions unless the government slaps us and says you need to address that. And I, I, I've got a horrible feeling we're in exactly the same situation when it comes to, to mental health awareness and it, in the way that we employ people. You know, we've got this sort of multi-layered system within construction. You know, you, your main contractors and your specialists and your subcontractors and sub-subcontractors and Lord alone knows what else. And I think if you're you know, you as an example, you're at the very bottom of that that ladder. You know, somebody clicks their fingers a million miles away, you're out of work. You're not there anymore. You know, and I think that that is constantly threatening people within the construction industry, demolition industry, plant hire, right across the board. Well, another thing which um, I find, and you know, I, I I do like talking about this because it's great to hear other people's <clears throat> views and thoughts and. One thing, if you want to join a federation, for example, they'll come and inspect your work and get references and make sure that you're, you're, you work in a safe environment. They never even speak to you about how you look after staff. You could have the best end product with the best references, but you could have had seven of your staff take their own life over the last decade. Is that ever looked at? I find that staggering. You know, the health and safety side tick box, as it should be. Um, obviously, the quality of your work, yes. But how about you? How you look after staff? Why are you pushing them, forcing them to do seven days a week or do long hours with with no overtime and putting them under pressure? If they don't do this, they're going to lose their job. Oh, I'm having troubles at home. Tough shit, mate. Get on with it. We're going to get someone else. Don't you think that's just as important as everything else when looking at a company? One hundred percent. I mean, obviously, I spend a lot of my time writing about and talking about demolition, and, and we have a system here um, called the, the site audit scheme within the National Federation of Demolition Contractors. And you know, it, in terms of what I would term normal health and safety, you know, they'll go along and they'll look at it, make sure everyone's wearing their PPE, they've all got their hard hats and their site boots, you know, the scaffolding is erected properly and everything else. But no, you're you're dead right. You know, that question isn't being asked, and and that. That question, as as we've said a number of times now, is probably ten times more likely to kill someone than, you know, the the, the lack of a hard hat. Well, this is it. But I, I always find it staggering that um, you know, two thousand and twenty one, um, we are here and we're still talking about it like it's for the first time. Um, it's interesting. Nick's had a uh, Nick Drew's set of comments. Sorry, it's a bit like doing a live my live show. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I, I think it's it's brilliant that someone like Nick can say that he's had dark thoughts when he lost his business. Um, do you know what? The non-paying customers uh, is is awful. Um, I, I'm i going to be honest. I've been knocked 107 grand over the last 10 years and the company's struggling. Even though we're boom, 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 the company's struggling. And these are people that it's not an issue with the work. They'll look you in the eye and go, take me to court. And that's another side, the financial side 
you know, can give you a lot of mental health problems because you're struggling to pay your men every Friday. You get your suppliers that you've got to pay every month off on your account. You know, financial pressure can lead a lot to financial um, downturns, but that will lead on to bad mental health. And it's, I don't think there's enough support, again, for small businesses. You know, the average tradesperson, demo person, ground worker, whatever, that gets knocked a couple of grand on a job, the majority of us, sadly, haven't got the time, money or resource or mental health capacity to chase that. And I think people know it. And that is precisely the sort of thing that government could legislate. Uh, I, I know, I mean, I've, I've written about this quite a lot. We've had um, Build UK, um, a, a, a collective of, of some of the UK's biggest construction companies, you know, some real big household names there. And they signed up to a charter that said that they would pay on time. Um, and then within 12 months, they did a survey of their own members and found that not a one of them had actually done it. How is that being allowed to continue? And I, I realise that, that Build UK and, and, and some of these major companies, because we are such a large part of GDP, I, I realise we have the ear of government and we have a very strong lobbying voice. But we're lobbying for the wrong thing. You know, we're, we're basically lobbying for the for the right to not pay people on time and put them in mental health issues. We need more help from government, hundred um, percent. I mean, even legislation being put in place—is that honestly going to work? Um, personally, I think it will help, but it won't make a huge difference. Um, we that, it stems back to one thing, and that's perception. You know, when you're at school, um, you know, I was told you go to university, get a degree, and become successful in life, or you fail and you go and dig a hole and get dirty. Um, and you know, I'd like to say that I can put two fingers up to them and saying I'm doing all right, but still, you know, my kids at seven and eight. I've pretty much told that as well. Um, the perception's got to change. It's a bloody good industry, this. You don't have to be on the tools. You can go into, um, you know, health and safety, site management, architecture, structural engineers, buying. Uh, you can work your way up in organisations, you know, onto the board. There's a lot of opportunity. Uh, go into training, work in colleges. There's such a great sort of level of work to do away from just being on the tools. And I think that's the perception we've got wrong. You know, I find it staggering that today my neighbour, she's just had twins, could be a bricklayer tomorrow morning on a job or a spread or a chippy. We're not licensed. That's a huge issue. Um, you look at Germany. I had a friend that went over there and was spreading for 14 years. He went to some um, sort of posh drinks do one evening, uh, surrounded by doctors, solicitors. He was regarded on the same level as them. And I smiled and thought that's spot on Germany, fair play. Because at the end of the day, you know, you look at all the amazing structures, buildings in this country, we built them with our hands. That's the bottom line, we built them. That is a skill set, and we should be respected on the same level as doctors, solicitors and everything else because it's an amazing skill to have and not many people can do it. I totally agree, um, and I'm fairly sure our audience will, will agree wholeheartedly with that. You alluded this, to this earlier. Obviously, we, we are coming very close now to the end of lockdown. Um, but, I mean, even though a lot of the construction industry was granted key worker status and, and was allowed to sort of soldier on throughout, there will be a lot of people that were stuck at home and, and not, as you described it earlier, having the crack with their mates and that kind of thing. Are we likely to see a another spike in mental health issues that we can trace back to the lockdown, do you think? Yeah, 100%. I think you're right. Obviously, we were um, back to work, send them in, 
Um, but residentially, a lot of um, work was halted or, or, or delayed because people at home that weren't in offices or elsewhere with work didn't want the risk in their house. So extensions, uh, refurbs, bathrooms, kitchens, a lot of that was put on pause, um, which meant people were furloughed or lost their job or weren't getting paid because they weren't working. So that led on to it. Um, and I, I think there will be a big spike. ONS are obviously focusing on figures with COVID, but when we get the suicide numbers um, in construction, I, I think it's going to be even worse. Um, and we need to be doing more than a one week a year as an awareness week. And, um, you know, I'll say it again, we need to get federations, bodies, government, media owners with responsibility to actually do something about it and not just jump on the bandwagon. That key worker status, I think, cut. It was it was like a double-edged sword, you know. As somebody that, that takes their living from demolition and construction, I was, you know, obviously pleased to see companies being allowed to continue. But you know, you, every day I was sat there watching Boris Johnson and and Chris Whitty and all these people talking about the, the the potential dangers that were lurking outside if we went out, and yet construction was just told, you know, crack on lads. You know, you, yes, there is a, a pandemic out there. Yes, we are killing a thousand people a day, but you you crack on. You'll be fine. You know, given that we're talking about mental health awareness, you know, you, you've got potential problems of loneliness, you've got potential problems of, of job security and of finance. And then heaped on top of that is the fear of I've, I've still got to go to work in the midst of a pandemic. That's not making the situation any better at all, is it? No, it's not. And a couple of things. I actually got COVID uh, March last year and I had a day and a half in the local hospital, but it wasn't too bad. I only had a mask, not a ventilator, but still suffering a bit now with sort of chest and stuff. But listen, people got it a lot worse. But when I went back to work and this is this is what government. I was raging, a bit like you watching Boris, you know, come out with the latest updates and guidelines. Just thinking you haven't got a Scooby Doo, mate. Now, I was doing a residential refurb in London at the time and we were on a ground floor in a terrace Victorian property and part of the brief was we had to insulate for noise uh, not thermal for noise from the upstairs and there was one option which we agreed which I still think is a good option and that was obviously pack the rafters with um, Rockwell or similar you know brand and then use a soundboard um, for acoustics now these soundboards are 54 kilos and then as we all know they're eight foot long by four foot wide now you're not going to have to do that on your own with a two metre distance. There was actually three of us, two of us lifting and the other um, fitting it. There's no way we could keep to two metre guidelines. Scaffolding with a one metre wide, um, you know, lift. What are you going to do? Levitate to go around someone at two metres? And then the other stuff, site work. I had a, a lad phone me, well, he contacted me on social media and said he was going in with 3,000 others and you had to sign a waiver to say we're not holding the company responsible if I contract COVID or you lose your job, but they're all signing it with the same pencil. I, mean, I just found it staggering. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the message really not getting through, isn't it? I, we, we are getting to the end of the, the show now, Andy. I'm sure you've got better things to be doing. But I, one of the things that struck me when I, I first heard your story, um, as, as a dog lover myself, um, you found a degree of salvation in a slightly unusual way. What was that salvation? Well, the I ended up um, in a in a property, luckily that a friend owned, because I wasn't didn't have anywhere to live at the time, um, and the kids um, desperately wanted a dog, and um, the ex would never get one, um, and 
I decided to get a puppy. So I did a lot of research on what, what the right dog was and ended up um, luckily not too um, far away, got a uh, eight week old working Cocker Spaniel and went and saw the seven in the litter um, when they were f about four or five weeks. And I said to the kids, even though they picked this one, look, let's see what this one's like. It might be mad. And um, got there and six were asleep, not bothered. The one they picked jumped into their arms from the cardboard box. And I thought, right, this is the one. And as I went to pick her up um, with them after eight weeks and obviously pay the man, it, as I was putting it in the car, he turned around and went, you went, good luck, mate. She's the mad one. And she is. We could, we could. The, the only thing the kids have agreed on is the name, uh, Millie. Uh, we call her Mad Millie Dog because she's absolutely mad. Um, but what I didn't know until I bumped into a woman about a year ago in a coffee shop was working cockers, uh, her daughter actually trains them with X-Forces uh, because they're sniffer dogs. They're very good with scents if you're struggling with mental health. And I didn't know this. You give off a scent, apparently. Um, and if I've had a bad time or a trigger and I'm, I'm, I'm suffering a bit, um, mad Millie dogs on my lap all over me. And I tell you what, it's uh, what was just a little gift to the kids um, has been a bit of a lifesaver, really. Uh, yeah, I, I can relate to the mad dog thing. I've, I've got two boxer dogs, um, and <laughs> th 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 they they only do mad. There, there is no alternative, and, and unfortunately, I don't think they they bother smelling anything aside from food. Um, <laughs> I mean, you've you, you've just mentioned the fact, you know, you, you've mentioned triggers and that sort of thing. So, I, I, in some ways, you you can kind of liken mental health. Um, issues with an addiction i think um you know you always hear alcoholics you know i i am i am in recovery i'm not i'm not recovered and i think you know certainly as i say i mean i've, I've been down the path uh, and and i know i i look for the signs and i know what the signs are and in my case it, it is sort of taking myself away from sort of friends and family and that kind of thing and once i start doing that you know i i am reminded of the fact that that i'm i'm still not quite where i need to be you're very open about the fact that you've you've been through it, but by the sound of it, you're you're also very aware of the fact that you're still going through it. It never goes. Anyone that says it's completely goes, um, I would I would disagree with. I appreciate we're all different. Um, interestingly, use the word addiction. I one of the lines I always use is mental health. In my opinion, is the same as an addiction. Until you admit you've got a problem, you can't move forward and get help. Um, and Different people get help at different times. And sadly, obviously, there's far too many that it's too late and don't get help. Um, listen, you, you you have great days. Um, you have brilliant days. You know, I get a big job come in or you know, I'm doing a, a job, a fundraiser for the Lighthouse Club, the construction industry charity, re rebuilding a house and having great fun, great days, um, doing a lot of media work and really enjoying that. But then you get a trigger. You take two steps forward and then, you know, you, you get a nasty email from this list from the ex-wife or something. And it's just a trigger and it does set you back. And what you've got to realize is, is, is how to deal with these triggers. And as you said, some people take themselves away from friends and family, want time on their own. Um, I, I always think the best thing is I grab the mad animal go to some lovely woods nearby <clears throat> and get out in nature and just go for a massive walk. Um, and one thing with her, because she's such a fit dog that doesn't sit still, um, I can't get away when I never would dream of taking her for a 10 minute wander on a lead around the block. It's always an hour and a half, two hours in the woods or down by the river or, or wherever. And getting out in nature is a is a great way. And I think a big thing as well is 
not using your vices too much because listen we've all got a vice it could be alcohol it could be drugs it could be uh, gambling it could be anything um you know be realistic don't say to yourself i'm never ever going to not have a drink again or smoke a cigarette or whatever it is um but just be careful you don't become reliant on them because then that's another problem and it can be a very slippery slope i think it's just learning um that when you get a trigger of, of how to deal with it in a sensible way uh the best thing for anybody and it's free is speaking bottling it up does not help anybody does not help anybody it will make things a hundred times worse mental pains is like a washing machine that goes round and round and round and round with no off button um if you can take a step back talk to a friend um or family member if you're lucky enough to have family um then that makes a huge difference so don't forget the two things, in my opinion, are getting out <clears throat> into nature. doesn't cost to go for a walk. And speaking to friends and family also doesn't cost anything. You've kind of preempted what I, what is probably going to be my final question. I mean, you've, you've been through the ringer personally. You, you know, you, you're obviously speaking about it a, a lot now. A lot of the people that are, are watching this are not the government. They're not the legislators and they're not the, you know, the bosses of the big companies. Um, they are the guys out on site, you know, the, the digger drivers and, and the operatives and that kind of thing. <clears throat> Given the fact that you have been through the ringer, what would your advice be? You know, and and I, I know, you know, it's good to talk and all that, but, you know, what, what would be your, your personal advice to somebody that's watching this and thinking, yeah, I, ident I identify with that? It's, no matter what I say, it's not going to be the right answer for everybody. Um, I think from what I've been through, what friends have been through, um, people that have taken their own life, no matter how low you get, it does get better. And I keep telling myself that, even though I'll be honest, I don't always believe it. But when you are lowest of low, you're homeless, you've got no money, you've got no family, you've got no work, you're not eating. Um, it's pretty shit. You know, I'm not going to be ashamed. It wasn't that long ago I was relying off um, food banks um i didn't have anywhere to live or eat and it's shit but i tell you what the positive side out of that you come back stronger you come back a lot stronger um it it, it toughens you innerly and externally um you get this sort of core built up to to deal with things in a in an easier manner but i think the hardest thing for me and luckily this laptop can't see my desk it looks like someone's launched a grenade at it uh, my paperwork is dreadful and the problem is you look at a big pile of paperwork because us trades are crap with paperwork generally i certainly am and oh, oh where do i start oh i've got bills invoices but just try and break it down and i struggle with that but you know you think right what's urgent let's try and do that for 10 minutes today i know that i'm busy tomorrow i'm not going to do it tomorrow let's try and get another 15 minutes in a couple of days time break it down step by step um and just when you're there and I hope nobody is watching this that is there thinking I've had enough. Um, pick the phone up. Pick the phone up. I'm I'm lucky um, that um, I've got a very good friend that probably still speaks to an hour a day. What two blokes talk about for an hour a day is beyond me. But at the time, it was, um, you know, it was what I was going through and he'd been through it. So it was a big help. But pick the phone up. You've got the lighthouse club the construction industry charity you've got mind you've got a lot of mental health charities um that are a good start but it's it brings you tougher it brings you a lot tougher and i would say if you are really bad it's actually a 
you know, when I was there, all I could see was my two kids' faces, and I thought, I can't do it for them. And, you know, I haven't got family apart from them, but, you know, I'd be letting quite a lot of other people down as well. So um, I think, think to yourself to reach out and talk, go for a big walk, and it does get better. Um, break it down, talk to someone, and, you know, try and do a bit of exercise. That's a, another free drug endorphins and all the other bits and pieces that released um i joined a gym just before lockdown last year got about seven to eight weeks before it was shut felt way better um you know i used to play rugby a lot and i missed it really missed it um it's finding things that will give you a, a, a pick me up and you know the big thing is guys don't be ashamed to admit it you know i'm a six foot three ex rugby player and if i go sideways i've got a face like a kicked in biscuits in i'm happy and there and talk about it and quite honestly i've stood in front of hundreds and thousands of people and told my story and if there's one person that takes note and it helps them tick i've done my job i think that made more more sense and had more resonant resonance with me than just about any uh, health and uh, mental health awareness um training and initiatives that i've seen in, in the past couple of years so andy you are you are better qualified to be here than i am because um I, I i'm a i'm a paper journalist i don't normally do stuff to camera although i have been for the last year out of necessity um given the fact that you are uh, all over social media and, and stuff where is the best place for people to to find out more about you and to uh, reach out to speak to you yeah the at andy stevens tv on instagram um what i do is i'm i'm tracking um, the charity build that we're doing for the Lighthouse Club. So that's um, obviously the best thing about it. There's no clients. We're having a good old laugh, rafting away, um, showing all the being an old house, all the hilarious things we found. Um, so that that's on there. All the filming work I'm doing and media work, uh, the mental health work, the talks that I'm doing on that is all on there. Um, and being an open guy, there's the odd picture of the dog and two kids um having fun so it's it's quite an open account of of my day-to-day -day, um sort of living but you know mental health and apprenticeships are my two big things in in this industry and um we've got to sort them out it's as simple as that if we don't sort them out we won't have an industry so um it's uh it's weird being able to talk about it having been where i was but i now use that as a strength um and part of the recovery is helping others and if someone picks up the phone i had someone the other week contact me um in the uh, on social media and i said look just call me um and it was great having a couple of hours i think about two hours 20 minutes conversation with him and it helped him and tell you what i got a buzz from that so um yeah i've been through it but if it means i can help other people now um then happy days it's um We've got a long way to go. We have, but we will get there. Simple as that. Because don't forget, we're in the best industry. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, interestingly, you, you mentioned um, having a friend to turn to. Um, there you go. There's uh, Nick Drew saying exactly the same thing. Uh, Andy, look, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. I, I really do appreciate you taking the time today. Um, uh, fair play to you for, for coming clean on, on your own issues and a fair play for you for putting the time in to uh, actually help others. Um, well, I'd love to get you back on at some point to talk about apprenticeships, which is it's another challenge but maybe a little more cheery um so we'll we'll get you back at some point but in the meantime andy it's been an absolute pleasure uh, i will add social media links to the description when we send this out as a recorded but in the meantime thanks ever so much for joining us no problem at all it's great to great to come on and talk about it and yeah more than happy to come on again and 
um, you know, working together, get this uh, sorted moving forward. Thanks ever so much, Andy. All the best. Take care. Bye then. Cheers. And there you are. And I'm, I'm, I really appreciate what what Andy said there, and a lot of it really did resonate with me. And and I think I'm going to leave this one up for a little while now because I have touched on this before. Um, like a lot of people, I, I came back from the Con Expo show in March last year and was expected to be in lockdown for about seven days. It turns out I was in lockdown for a year. Um, couldn't produce the magazine uh, that I normally draw my income from. Um, so I was, I, I wasn't destitute because I've got the website and I could keep that going. But um, I, I was forced to learn a new job, which is precisely the thing that I'm sat here doing at the moment. Um, and it was genuinely the support of uh, Peter Haddock and Nick Drew, who I, I spent a lot of time with uh, in Las Vegas. Um, we have an unofficial support network, I guess. Uh, that was never discussed. We never planned to do it, but you know, when I've had bad days, one of them has, has phoned me up and, and vice versa. It does work. It really does work. Um, so, uh, as I say, we've we've given you Andy's details. Uh, he is all over social media like a rash. Um, best to find him on, on LinkedIn or uh, Instagram specifically. Um, we will be posting this later today uh, within the next hour or so as a, uh, a recorded version. Uh, but in the meantime, I really appreciate you joining us. Um, if you can share this with somebody that might get some value from it, please do so. Um, but in the meantime, thanks ever so much for watching. And let's make this a constant conversation. Uh, if there's one thing I will take away from my discussion with Andy there, it's not mental health awareness week, it's mental health awareness, full stop. Thanks for watching. Thanks for taking part. And I'll see you all again very, very soon. All the best.